Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning on a beautiful Friday morning. And thank you for joining us this morning. I have two special guests. They're frequent guests. And they're the guys that just, I, you know, I, I kind of enjoy having them on the program because I kind of introduce the program and then turn them on. And then I actually go home. I don't have to do anything <laughs> else. I'm done for the day. So not a bad group. But I have Keith Quinn and Shannon Dyson with me this morning. Shannon's going to talk about understanding Medicare. And I tell you, that is a tough decision, a tough discussion for a lot of people and decisions you have to make when you start getting that 250 pieces of mail that you get when you're about to turn 65 and Medicare is sending or not Medicare. Everybody and their brother send you something that looks very official and uh, you've got to make a decision. And we find that a lot of people struggle with that. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Also, Keith Quinn's going to be with us and we're going to talk about some financial decisions that you never, ever regret if you, you just don't want to do them. You'll regret them forever if you make them. And we're going to talk about that and dive into it with some details. So, and, you know, when Keith's with me, man, it is detailed all the way. So, <laughs> all right, guys, you know, before we dive into this really good stuff, I want to turn you loose. Both of you are astute. <laughs> People, you're smart. Uh, I, you, I know, and you pay attention to what's going on politically. So, I want to know. This has been a r- tough week for our political candidates. I mean, front runners getting blasted. People that you wouldn't think would get votes got votes. Let's talk about it, Shannon. I'm going to start with you. All right, Keith, you, either one of you. Let's just do this. What's your take, Shannon, on this past week? Well, first off, Keith, was that a backhanded compliment we got at the beginning? I, I think what, it was. Was it was a compliment or, or we just talked yeah, a lot? Okay. Yeah, I think maybe, yeah. It's yeah. 100%. But, hey, hey, I've already been beat up by you guys this morning. So. <laughs> I, uh, you know, watching this whole uh, thing unfold has just been extremely interesting to me. And the more that you read about it and the more that you see things in the news about it, you realize this is not something that is new. Right. It may be something that is fairly new to us because it's being covered the way that it's covered in a 24-hour news cycle. Uh, but you start reading back through history, and you see there's been 24 separate times in Democratic and Republican conventions where there's been some sort of contested convention. Uh, so I'm very curious to see how this will all play out, and I can't wait to see. It's going to make for good TV like we were talking about earlier. <laughs> it's going to be great TV. And, you know, we talk a lot now that it looks like we are going to head to a contested convention. And like you said, this is not unprecedented, and it's gone far, far, far beyond three or four votes before to get the nominee. Sure. Uh, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how it plays out. Well, let course, me ask you this, though, if you want to talk about that. Talk about what it means for something to be contested. Well, I mean, the, the first thing that happens is when, when you go to the Republican convention, you have delegates that vote on who their nominee is going to be. And so when, when we, we go through these general or these elections where we are voting for the Republican nominee or the Democratic nominee, we, we kind of feel like, well, we are in charge of electing this person to represent our party. Right. And the truth of the matter is, is the delegates that vote on the convention floor. 
Uh, and so, Keith, if you want to go through it, I think the, the first vote is a 96 or 95 percent of the delegates have to vote for the state or the, their state voted them. They have to vote for that nominee, correct? That's right. So All on right, the f- before you go there, OK, we're going to take a break. OK, I want to go detail by detail when we come back, because I guarantee you, everybody wants to know what do you think's going to happen with the conventions? But we are going to dive into Medicare Part A and Part B and some financial decisions that you do not want to make. I'm listening to, of course, to talk money. I'm going to enjoy today because that's basically what I'm going to do. Listen to my two guests, Shannon Dyson and Keith Quinn. Stay with us, because when you come back, we're going to dive into a contested political season. And as Shannon said, great TV. It's the Super Bowl of politics. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Talk Money will return right after this. Have you thought about pursuing a career in financial services but have no experience in the industry and need training? If you are goal-oriented, highly motivated, and enjoy working with people, you have the skill set Shoemaker Financial is looking for. Shoemaker Financial is continuing to grow their team of financial advisors in the Mid-South, and they're ready with the training and tools you need to get started. With over 35 years of providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service in the Mid-South, you too can now be a part of their growing firm. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, contact Contact Keisha Parrish at 901-757-5757 or email at kparish at shoemakerfinancial.com. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search for Shoemaker Financial. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. Well, I am talking with Keith Quinn and Shannon Dyson, and uh, I've got them started, and that's kind of what I wanted to do is to get them (laughs) plugged in, talking about politics, one of their favorite subjects. But it's a subject that we all need to be aware of because it does affect us every day and what we got going on. And we are talking a little bit about a contested convention. Both Democrats and Republicans may have a contested convention. And Keith, you were going to give us some of that, kind of give us the the basics of what happens in a contested convention. Absolutely. And as we were saying earlier, this is just such a great civics lesson. And, you know, we're really getting into this. But when you go to the Republican convention, there's going to be uh, 2,472 total delegates. Now, the number you need to clinch the nomination is 12 37. Uh, Donald Trump had said that was an arbitrary number. Well, no, it's not arbitrary. It's 50% plus, plus one. one. Exactly. Uh, so on the first vote, 95%, as Shannon said, 95% of the delegates are bound to vote for who they were elected for in the state. But on the second vote, only 59% of, or 59% of the delegates are unbound. So only uh, uh, 40, 41% That's are higher bound. math, right? Yeah, 41%. Right, right. <laughs> Got it. And then on the third vote, basically everybody's unbound. Eighty percent so of the, can, they can the vote for they whoever get to they the want. By the third vote, it's uh, who's who can on the third vote. The most. On the third vote, we can vote for Shannon, uh, and that would be great. And that I would will be throw. A good, okay, would you take that? Yeah. yeah. No, I wouldn't. I'm, I'm like Paul Ryan. I do not want. <laughs> I do not want that on me. I, don't, I will yeah, not accept. I, I don't want to be president not of the United States. No, right, right. So you mentioned the civics lesson. I think that is critical for people to realize. This is this is. This is our political system at its best. I mean, they're looking for something to show us. I mean, this is kind of the way some people think that if you win a primary, you know, you won the election. You're winning. You're only winning delegates. And that's what everybody needs to be sensitive to. Yeah. And that's something that if, if, you know, 
three, four, five years ago, I would I would have no idea how the system actually works because all we see is you know Hillary we, Clinton exactly. won New York or Donald Trump wins Tennessee, and they don't really talk about the delegates or how many delegates each right. state has. You know how how does all of that play out? I would have had no idea no unless idea. you just read about it. And each state has different rules. The Tennessee delegates, as we were saying, they're bound for the first two votes. Right. Uh, so it's it's going to be really really interesting. And Keith and I, you and I, were just talking in in the break that you know we would hear a lot of scenarios and people would come out, well, this is going to happen, or maybe this will happen at the at the contested convention. And then it kind of died out a little bit. And I think they realized because the rules can be changed at, <laughs> at, at any moment. By... Absolutely. <laughs> and the rules are changed before every convention. Correct. That's just the way they do it. Correct. Yeah. 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 Well, it's going to be exciting. And uh, we'll have you guys back as we move through this, because I love to hear you talk about it. And I know you guys do the research and pay a lot of attention to what's going on politically, because it is important to our business and what we do. And speaking of that, let's talk about with Shannon. I, I really, Shannon, we get so many questions from people, and, and here's the thought. You, here you are, 65 years old, or about to turn 65, and all of a sudden, about three months before that magical date that you've thought about for a long time, something begins to happen in your home. That is, your mail is delivered, <laughs> and it's larger than it's ever been because you're getting two, three, four, maybe five pieces of mail a day in some cases, and definitely a week. That's talking about you got to sign up sure. for this and you got to do this. And it looks official, Shannon. Yes. I mean, it it is intimidating to some folks. Yep. And I know you get calls in the office. And let me say this to everybody listening. 757-5757. That's Shannon's number. Ask for Shannon. He, he walked you through. This, he can walk you through this in such a, a simple way as he's going to do with us right now. But people need to get good advice before they just jump on whatever all that litany of things that's being sent to you in the mail. Explain Medicare Part A and Part B. Yeah, we try to simplify the process because, like you said, we'll have people that walk in with boxes full of mailers. And we have had instances where somebody has come in, they've already signed up for something uh, with a different carrier, with a Medicare, with a Medicare supplement or Medicare Advantage plan, and they had no idea what they were signing up for, and they just did it. They just did it because it said you must respond by a certain date, and so they responded so by that date. Uh, and so what we try to do is take them through the process and say, okay, look, this is not you know you spent your life in in this field, manufacturing or whatever field you spent your life in. You weren't in the insurance field, and so you're not expected to know what happens when you turn 65. So let's simplify everything. Medicare Part A is for your hospitalization, and Medicare Part B are for your doctor charges. And that's basically as simple as you can get it. Uh, there's no charge for your Medicare Part A, and there is a $121 charge for your Medicare Part B. Uh, and that can change from year to year. The, we, have to, we have to keep up and know what that Medicare Part B premium is going to be from year to year. Last year it was $104. Uh, and it's been it had been one hundred and four dollars for the last five or six years. And so it was a big deal this year to change from one hundred and four dollars to one hundred and twenty one dollars. That's per person. That is per person that accepts Part B of of Medicare. So so when you talk about the cost, it, there's no cost for Part A. Correct. And Part B is a moving Number you can't say well I'm going to plan for 104 dollars as you said or 120 because next year it could go up 
Correct. Go down. It can, Does it ever go down? I haven't seen I've it go seen down. It <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it so go down. It would no. be better for us to say it always goes down. Have you ever high. seen but many taxes taken away? That's exactly true. Uh, yeah. How do I sign up for Part A and Part B? So Part A and Part B, uh, there's an online service where you can sign up for Part A and Part B together. If you are uh, if you're retiring when you turn 65, the easiest way to do that is to go online and sign up through the Social Security Administration uh, for Part A and Part B at the same time. Uh, if you're still working uh, and you do not need Part B because you have employer-paid coverage, you would only sign up for Part A at that time. Does that eliminate you from ever getting Part B? I mean, are you done then? You just you, you but you have an option, right? No, no, you, you don't get the Part B when you have employer-paid coverage because most of the time it's not going to help you in any way, and right. you'd be paying an additional premium. And so, when you have employer-paid coverage, that is a legitimate reason not to take Part B, and you will not be penalized later on in life. When you do retire, when you decide you're ready to stop work, you can then pick up Part B in a special enrollment period and not pay any higher premium than you would have paid normally. You know, I guess I, I'm thinking people get confused, and, and, and you said it earlier, they, they get this deadline, you must respond by. How do you coach people? How do you counsel people, Shannon, to say, well, you know, to look through this maze of paper that's coming at them. The first thing I say is throw it all away because the, the main two things that you need to be are aware of are you need to sign up for Part A and Part B. And 99.9% of the mailings that you are getting are from insurance carriers uh, trying to earn your business. It is not from the Social Security Administration and Medicare. Uh, so once we get you signed up for Part A and Part B, then we can take you through the process of finding an appropriate supplement policy for you, helping you through the prescription maze and jungle that is the prescription Part D plan of Medicare. And we can help you through all of that process once you have the bases covered of Part A and Part B taken care of. Once those two are done, we can move on through the process. I guess I'm thinking of the person that uh, when they get confused, Keith, and they get right. all this, this, this thing of paper coming at them, uh, they don't know the questions to ask, and so sure. they start picking up. And you know, these I've read these. My wife just turned sixty-five this past year, and I was uh, experiencing all the paper. And everyone would come in, and and you know, of course, she's been married to me for quite some time, and knows that we kind of. And she would take that and say, "Is is this important? Is is this important?" Right. And that was her standard question: "Is this important?" Because it looks like you got to do something. And this is the part that, that kind of – and I'm not saying to anybody that you don't need supplemental coverage, Shannon. You're not doing that, no, right? No, not I mean, at all. You're saying – but you need to first um, first and foremost get signed up for Part B if you're not going to continue to work. Well, you need someone that it, that knows the different products in the market, someone that can walk you through because there are hundreds of different providers in the market that will be sending you mailers. You don't know the difference between them. You, it is, as a person signing up for Part A and Part B of Medicare, you just don't know. Now, that, that's that's important. You're an independent. You Our whole benefits department, which you run, works not for one company. We look at it from a – the, the servicing of it, which company does this better than this. Correct. So we have the multiple companies. And I think that's important for what you just said. The paper that's coming in, that person is representing 99% of the time that company Correct. alone. Right. I actually, I actually, when I turned 65, I actually let call some of these people. I just kind of wanted to go mm -hmm. through it because I have not been through that. Sure. And I wanted to, and honestly, 
not to, you know, they were very knowledgeable mm-hmm. about their product. They were very knowledgeable about the system. So it's not a bad thing to have a conversation with that person. Just understand you're only going to be told about that product. Right. And they're going to put their best foot forward Absolutely. as they should. They should. You know, they, they want to earn your uh, sure. business as, as a customer. Uh, we think it's important to know all of the facts, and we think it's important to be able to look at many different providers, many different insurance carriers, and find the best one that fits you. Because not only are there hundreds of different insurance providers in the market, there are hundreds of different plans within those providers. So with, when you're talking about a Medicare supplement, you know there's seven or eight different Medicare supplements that you can choose from. Now, each carrier does not offer each Do this supplement. For me. How yeah. does a Medicare supplement work? A Medicare That's su- a word. The supplement yeah. says I am supplementing, supplementing. something. So Correct. explain that for so, us. Correct. So a Medicare supplement is going to come alongside of your Medicare A and your part Medicare Part A and Medicare Part B, and it is going to pay the deductibles and the coinsurance that you would normally have to pay. Did you it, should you not have a Medicare supplement? Now, there are different supplements that pay different amounts of money of what Medicare does not cover. Uh, But basically, at the end of the day, uh, kind of to wrap it up in an easy to understand what is a Medicare supplement, it pays what Medicare A and B does not pay. All right. Medicare, what about the drug the drug benefit. Part D prescription is something that you must have. Uh, And now Part D prescription, I don't know how they came up with this, this plan or how they instituted how they there's a donut hole that people are scared to death of a gap in the insurance on your prescription drug plan that we help people go through but basically part d is you probably have 50 to 60 different insurance providers that offer a prescription part d drug plan now this varies greatly based on the prescriptions that you as an individual take so if you're taking some high dollar prescriptions you know, a Blue Cross prescription plan may not be the one for you. It may be Humana. Uh, if you're taking some very low cost insurance uh, insurance prescriptions or uh, prescriptions for low for low blood or high blood pressure, uh, for high cholesterol, those are pretty low dollar prescriptions. Silver Script may be the right plan for you. There are several different carriers to look at. It's all dependent upon what prescriptions that you take, and that's where it really gets confusing. Uh, we get the most questions about prescriptions. Uh, because people have, you know, usually we see anywhere from taking two to ten different prescriptions yeah, right. uh, per month, uh, and that varies greatly. The cost, the cost difference between someone taking two prescriptions and ten, big difference there on what you're going to be spending annually, and so that opens the door to many different providers. And if you just go and say, "Well, I like I've heard of Humana, so I'm going to select Humana prescription coverage," you may be getting something that you really didn't bargain for. So, well, I guess I guess when I when I think about that and the way you explained it, and, and again, it's just knowing, it, it's getting a little bit more information. If I'm turning sixty five, and I'm not going to quit working, that's me. Mm-hmm. I'm sixty seven. I'm still working. Right. Uh, sometimes you guys don't know that or don't think that. That's another day, another <laughs> subject. You know, you ought to heard them this morning. Yeah, not touching that. Bad. You know, I'll tell you that later off the air, but it was not a good morning. <laughs> but, you know, the reality is a person still works. I mean, he's yeah. still doing what he's doing. Well, we see that a lot more today. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Right. So what happens here with Part B? You said that earlier, but I want right. to make sure everybody gets this. You still have an option later on. Right. We still recommend you signing up for Part A, the hospitalization part. It doesn't cost you anything. So even if you're still working, we still recommend go ahead and sign up for Part A. It doesn't hurt you in any way to sign up for it. Um, but if you're still working, you don't really need Part B. Right. Part B. Part B pays your doctor bills, and if you have employer-paid insurance and you're 66 and you're still working, 
there's no reason to get your Part B insurance because it's not going to pay towards your plan, your employer group plan. So you're just basically spending an extra $121 per month for, for, and not getting any benefit from it. So once you decide that, hey, I'm, you know, I'm 68 now, I'd like to go ahead and retire – not saying that's an age that you're oh, shooting for. I got for. it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're 68, 69 years old. <laughs> the guy that ran the benefits. <laughs> you're, you decide you're going to retire, and now is the time to look into getting your Part B uh, of Medicare. And there is no penalty. You've had credible coverage. You don't have to worry about that. Um, the only thing that you need to be concerned about when you're retiring and getting your Part B is you want to make sure that you're talking with someone like me who can work you through the process because your Part B premium could be based on your income. Uh, that's critical. I want you to cover that. Your Part B premium is based on your income. And so they base that on the two years previous before you accept your Medicare Part B. So if I'm retiring in 2016, uh, they are looking at my 2014 income. And if I'm married and made more than $171,000 in 2014, they're going to charge me a premium uh, on my Part B. I mean, it's, a, insurance it's an premium. enormous premium, and it, and it can be the higher your your higher income was, the higher that premium is. Uh, but you're retiring in 2016, and so your income is not going to remotely look like it did in 2014. Um, we can help you through that process by filling out the appropriate paperwork with Social Security Administration, sending that information in. So they will send you a letter notifying you. Okay, we've not we're not charging you that premium. You'll be paying the normal. Part B amount uh, from this point forward. You know, you've done that with several of our people. I mean, we've had some, you know, where they're sweating bullets when they all of a sudden look at what you know, Social Security is going to well, charge Well, you know, it could be $330 a month instead of $120 right, a month. Right, and it And that's a big number when Huge you start difference. planning yep. through this. One quick thought here before we go to the break. We've had, when you're a small employer and you're under 20 employees. Yes. Tell us, I mean, we've had that issue here recently. Glad you brought that up. Um, so if, you're, if you work for a company that has under 20 employees or you're the employer uh, and your company only has yeah, 20 or fewer employees, the problem with that is that Medicare is the primary payer on those size companies. Uh, and so when I say Medicare is the primary payer, under 20 employ over 20 employees, your group health plan pays and then your Medicare would pay after. And so there's, that's why there's no reason to get your Part B uh, because your employer group plan already paid. If you have under 20 employees, though, Medicare is the primary payer. And so in those cases, we let the person that's turning 65 know, yes, you have group coverage, but you still need to get your Part B because they could hold you responsible for the amount that Medicare would have paid first. Uh, so those are those are just things that we get into when we talk to a client and they're coming in. Those are the types of questions that we ask. Who do well, you work for? It's important that I want to make sure everybody understands independence. You do not you're not tied to an insurance company. You're a consultant. Right. You work with the client. You may recommend a plan, but and, and get paid from that plan. But it's correct. Uh, you're not tied to one plan that you have to go to. If you've not been listening, all. I've been talking with Shannon Dyson, and we are talking about Medicare Part A, Part B. Should you get it? Should you not get it? It's a great program. Give him a call at the office at 757-5757. It's a, it's a question that you're going to have to ask or you know somebody that's trying to get the answers on it now. He's the answer man when it comes to understanding Medicare and Medicaid Part A and Part B. So stay with us because when we come back, we're going to find out some financial decisions that you should never make. That's my guest, Keith Quinn. We'll be right back after this. 
This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Shoemaker Financial and Security and Financial Services do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. Individuals should always consult with their attorney or tax professional regarding their own specific situation. Talk Money will return right after this. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement, or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan, it's the result. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the listener as research or investment advice, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. The Standard Poor's 500, or S&P 500, is an unmanaged group of securities considered to be representative of the stock market in general. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. You know, one of the things that you think about in life, as you go through life, there's all kind of decisions you have to make, some you were good with and some you didn't do so good, whether right. it's marriage or, um, you know, I mean, buying a car, buying a home, financial decisions. But here's a thought for you. I, I interviewed a guy years ago, and, and I was talking with him, and I asked him, I said, if you could... Tell me in your successful life, and this individual had written books, very successful, done a, run a company, all the things that you could imagine that we would look at in success. And I asked him, I said, if you have a regret, what would that regret be? And, you know, here's what I heard. And he said, I wish I'd have had a bigger vision. Now, the thought about that, a bigger vision, as he gave me thoughts about that and went through that process of explaining that, his regret was, I wished I had not, I wished I had taken more risk. So here's what, Keith, I want you to talk about, because we kind of set this up from a standpoint of financial decisions right. that you regret that you've made. And, and that's what we sometimes you need to have a bigger vision. Maybe it's take more risk. These, you know, as this individual had told me, but the reality is there's decisions that we need to make. And those decisions need to be good decisions. We don't need to walk around doing nothing because we fear everything. So what are some financial decisions that if you make them, you'll regret them forever? Well, and I think this is one of the ones that we talk about a lot. You know, we deal with a lot of retirement planning. So one of the mistakes that we see that people sometimes make is they put off saving for retirement. People don't think about saving for retirement as early as they should. And And we talk about that on this program all the time because people procrastinate. They go by the color television, the truck, you know, they take the big Disney vacation and they're going, I'm going to start my retirement plan next week. And it's, you know, it's, it's that disciplined approach. And sometimes that you have to do that from a budgetary standpoint, you've got to realize the impact of saving early. And we looked at a hypothetical and let's just say you're trying to have a million dollars for retirement when you retire at age 65, just as an example. And let's just assume that you get about a 7% return on your money, average. By the way, that would be great. And that would be great. And you could do that over a long period of time, but let's just assume for the purposes of the hypothetical that you get a 7% return to get to that million dollars at 65. If you start saving at age 25, 25, you only have to save $381 a month. 
uh, that is not that huge of a hit to get to a million dollars in retirement. But if you wait until 35, just uh, 10 years, later. 10 years later, now you've got to save 820 a month. But if you wait another 10 years and don't start saving until 45 and you still want to get to that million dollars, you've got to save $1,920 a month. Now, if you wait a little bit longer and you wait until 55. You forget it. You're not going to make it. Well, all of a sudden, you've got to save almost $6,000 a month month. to get to that million dollars. You know, that's something that, that we shouldn't have to talk about. Well, we shouldn't. That's exactly right. You know, people need to take ownership of their retirement plans. We've talked about that. We don't have the pension plans like we'd had in the past. People are living longer than ever. Retirement is stretching out 20, 30 years. I mean, when we work with someone today, when I started, if you got to 65, as we were talking with Shannon earlier with Medicare Part A and Part B, the reality was they would start the plan and at 71, 72, that was their mortality. Today, exactly. we look at mortality going out 20, 25 additional years. I was in a meeting yesterday. And they were talking, it was an insurance company that was giving me some ideas on what mortality looks like in the future. Age 120, age 120 mortality. By 2020, most insurance companies will begin to work off a 2020 table, the CSO table, the commissioner's standard operating table for, for mortality rates, and it would go to 120. So we're going to live longer. And we have to fund that retirement. And frankly, you know, one of the ways you do that, as we said, you start investing early. Well, another mistake you can make is being fearful, as you said, taking on more risk. Now, we would say investing is not necessarily risky, depending on how you invest, but it can definitely be very volatile. But avoiding the stock market. And the stock market sounds scary when you say it like that. It sounds like it's a rigged game. Who wants to invest in the (laughs) stock market? Uh, But you've got to remember what we're buying. We're buying good companies, and companies are rational. Capital is forever rational in the long run and that's what we have to remember and we have to have that fundamental faith in the future you know we talk about it a lot Jim and we've looked at some some true false questions that we go over with our clients has the market ever dropped true has the market always come back after it's dropped true has the market always gone on to set new highs after it's dropped True. Now, we haven't come back yet, 2130 on the S&P last year, but we're only 3 or 4% off from that. And then why don't people make money investing in companies? Because they don't stick with it long enough to get the benefit of the long-term returns. So the discipline there, discipline. the failure to be disciplined, that's a decision. Not buying the stock market is what you're talking about. Is it's it's exactly right. Realize what you're owning. You know, we're owning good, solid companies, uh, and that's what we have to focus on. We're not investing in something that's a rigged game. Well, I'll tell you what, when we come back, we're going to take a break real quick. I'm going to listen to Mid-South History Moment, and Rebecca Razor is going to give us that in a second. But when we come back, Keith's going to continue walking us through financial decisions that you'll regret if you make them. So stay with us. We'll be right Yes. Jude Children's Research Hospital is a true testament to the power of promises. As a struggling young actor, Danny Thomas made a vow that he would build a shrine to St. Jude, the patron saint of hopeless causes, if he ever found success. After hearing a story of an African-American boy in the South who died after a segregated hospital refused to admit him, Thomas decided to fulfill his vow by building a children's hospital in the South. At the urging of Bishop Samuel Stritch and in partnership with Dr. Lemuel Diggs, both of whom had strong ties to the Mid-South, Thomas chose Memphis for the site of his hospital. 
After establishing the American Lebanese Syrian Associated Charities in 1957, Thomas saw the opening of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital five years later. Since that time, breakthroughs at St. Jude have increased the survival rate for the most common form of childhood leukemia from 4% to 94%, making St. Jude a recognized leader in the treatment of cancer. St. Jude has saved and improved the lives of children from all over the world, and it all began with one man's act of gratitude. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Podcasts of the Talk Money program are available for iOS mobile devices. Go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. Financial decisions you regret forever, things that you just just need to pay attention to and things that sometimes it's discipline that you just need to stay focused with it. But Keith Quinn's Keith Quinn is with me and we're talking about how to avoid those financial decisions. The first one is putting off saving for retirement. Just don't procrastinate. Right. Get into it. Stay focused. Do it on a disciplined way. You got your 401k at work. If you don't have a 401k at work, just set aside money privately. Just set Absolutely. You know, not just for the rainy day. Rainy days are going to come at 65 or 66 or 70 whenever you retire. It's going to inevitably happen. And you right. demonstrated the fact that 25, it's a very small number. At 55, it's tough. And it probably feels like a big number at 25, but the long-term benefits far outweigh the short-term pay. And by the way, whether it's $300 a month or $30 a month, get started. When's the best time to start saving for your retirement? Right now. Right now. Absolutely. The second one, avoiding the stock market. You know, it is kind of an ominous thing. It, it is. is. It is. You know, I mean, you listen to the Dow's up, the Dow's down, all these things that go on and it's emotional. But staying out of it, putting your money in the tin can in the backyard is not the way you'd make money. That is not a good investment philosophy. Now, I will say this. You know, we said the market has always gone higher, and it always, the long-term trend is and always has been up, but it's not straight up. You know, we have to remember that there is a lot of volatility. You know, we looked back recently to the end of the Second World War, 1946, and what we found was that there were 14 times that we basically had a bear market correction. We always talk about a bear market as being down 20%. Now, three of those times, you're only down 19, but it sure felt like a bear market. So 14 times in the last, uh, you know, again, since World War II, that is going to periodically happen when you have a bear market. Typically, you drop about 30% and it lasts about 15 months, but you always recover if you stick with your yeah. plan. You know, and again, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Indicative of very little. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But the reality is, you're right, the market continues. And we're investing in great companies of America, great companies of the world, those that are trying to make money. That's exactly right. And remember, we talked about the difference between risk and volatility. That's volatility. Risk is the permanent loss of capital. Uh, hmm. Risk right. is not being able to earn a rate of return that outpaces inflation. Risk is burying the money in the backyard. There That's very go. risky. That's very risky. Okay, give me another another one of those financial decisions 
that if you make that decision, you'll regret it forever. Right. Well, we talked about a hypothetical rate of return of 7% when we were thinking about our hypothetical of getting to a million dollars in a retirement account. Well, I'm going to tell you a way that I can guarantee you an 8% return. Okay. Now, wait a minute. Absolutely guarantee it. <laughs> okay. You should strike that. He, used that. he used that dirty word, guarantee. You know, all right, Keith, you set me up there, man. I'm ready to go with this one. Right. So here's one of the things that people, you know, a mistake that you can make that you'll regret forever, claiming your Social Security too early. Ah. Uh, Let's say that you, you can claim your Social Security benefits at age 62. Uh, but if you claim at 62 and don't wait until your full retirement age, and let's assume your full retirement age is 66, that is going to cost you a 25% reduction in your benefits for the rest of your life. Now, if you wait until your full retirement age, 66, 66, in some cases, 67, that's exactly right. And don't claim then to say you're still working uh, and even wait until 70 then you are going to get an 8% increase in your benefits. But Guaranteed 8%. But, but here's the thing. You said guaranteed. No, that's backed by the federal government. Full faith and credit of the federal government. <laughs> now, we could debate whether there is some uh, you know, leeway on the full faith and credit of the federal I just government. To, I thought I could say yeah, I knew where he was going with that. I couldn't wait to throw that out. Uh, but you're right. It goes up 8%. It does I mean, go up 8%. Sure. And that's the current rules as we have them. And sure, yeah. you know, Social Security benefits may be reduced in the future. Frankly, we talk about this a lot, and we think there's some fairly easy fixes to the Social Security problems. They're not politically palatable, uh, raising the retirement right. age, but it's something that eventually we'll have to do. Probably have yeah. to happen. But what you're really saying, the mistake is, if you start too early... If you start too early, If right. you can and you have the opportunity to push it out, right. it's better for that. Shannon, you, you talk to a lot of people where you're working with them about doing that. What do you see? What is the? What do most people think they want to do with that? Well, most people, when they come in, they are, that, that I see... They're asking about, you know, what's going to happen if I do, if I, if I accept my benefits. So if they start at 62, yeah. um, when they turn 65, they're automatically enrolled in Part A and Part B. There's right. nothing that they have to do at that point. Right. So if they're already accepting their Social Security, they do nothing. They're automatically enrolled. Um, so that's an issue, too, especially if you are still if you're still working. Um, in that in that aspect, that can be an issue. But most most people, as soon as they turn 65, if they're already accepting Social Security benefits, automatically enrolled. Then we just start the process of what do we look for on the on the Medicare supplement. And they side. have to go in if they go if they are automatically enrolled, mm -hmm. Part A and Part B, and yet they still do have a benefit. Right. You know, for their spouse is employed Correct. or they're still employed or whatever. They they have to go to Social Security and say, hey, I don't want the Part B. In the paperwork that they get from the Social Security Administration, there will be an, a line in there that says, if you would like to not take your Part B, these, these are the steps that you need to follow. You know, maybe you, you're on your spouse's health insurance plan. You know, guys, I tell you, that the more we talk about it, the more we do come to the reality that for people that don't do this every day. Right. Can be very confusing. It's very confusing. And, it's very confusing. Uh, you know, yeah. I know it's not intended to be. But, you know, what you're saying, a decision, if you start too early, you've lost a benefit. If you get started, you, you know, you maybe you, you end up, you, you started early and you, now you got Part B, but you don't need Part B and you got to go well, in. Well, you're talking about programs that were made for hundreds of millions of hundreds people. Of millions. And so when you have that, it's not meant to be confusing. It just inherently is it confusing. Is. Exactly is. right. It is. Another financial decision. Now, we've done three. Right. You said, of, you know, the last one we talked about was starting Social too early, Social Security too early. We talked about avoiding the stock market. There's some reasons for that. You know, people right. get scared or whatever. And then putting off saving for retirement. What's another one? Well, I'll tell you another one. And, and we, again, uh, come at this from uh, the, what we do every day, but it's uh, passing up on professional advice. 
you know, as we were talking about with the decisions well, yep. that you have to make, uh, you know, regarding Medicare, Medicaid, all these decisions when you get to the, these retirement uh, years, if you don't have professional advice when you're investing, uh, it can potentially be ruinous. And we see studies all the time that show this. Jim, when we think about investing, when we sit down with clients, we're talking with them and helping them understand what their goals are for that money. How long have they got to accomplish those goals? Uh, you know, understanding how tolerant are they of the volatility inherent in the stock market? In other words, if they wake up one morning and their account is down 30%, is that going to cause them to make a decision that's going to impact them for the rest of their lives? And it's our jobs to help them understand understand the impact of these decisions and help them to understand why they should stay the course. Uh, and we even have some numbers to back that up that we may want to go through. Well, let's, go, let's do this. Let's take a break and then I'll come back. I do want you to go through those numbers. And what I so much appreciate, if you can't hear it in his voice, the passion that Keith has for what he does. He's our investment director for the firm and does a wonderful job. Counsels clients, works with advisors, guiding them through the maze, helping them understand and staying focused with it. So reality is it's kind of like and when you talk about professional advice, guys, it is so easy for some people to say, well, I can advise you. But at the end of the day, if, they're, if they've got a mindset of what they already think everybody should have, what you just said was perfect. You listen to the client, you talk about the goals, you understand that, and then you design the plan around what they want Absolutely. and need, not just, hey, here's a rubber stamp, this is what everybody gets. You come in, and we're all going to look like the same. It is not a cookie-cutter no, approach by any not. means. All right, when we come back, uh, he's going to give us some numbers about what he was just talking about, some ideas about how to figure out what we're trying to do. Stay with us. This is Talk Money on KWAM. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We'll be right back with Keith Quinn and Shannon Dyson in just a moment. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search for Shoemaker Financial. Talk Money will return after this. Have you thought about pursuing a career in financial services but have no experience in the industry and need training? If you are goal-oriented, highly motivated, and enjoy working with people, you have the skill set Shoemaker Financial is looking for. Shoemaker Financial is continuing to grow their team of financial advisors in the Mid-South, and they're ready with the training and tools you need to get started. With over 35 years of providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service in the Mid-South, you too can now be a part of their growing firm. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, contact Keisha Parrish at 901-757-5757 or email at kparish at shoemakerfinancial.com. Helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. Well, next week, let me introduce you to tell you what's going to happen next week. Rusty Leonard's going to be with me next week. We're going to dive in with him. He's the founder and CFO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council. He is a guy that we've had on several times. Uh, he goes, he's going to give us a market update. Talk about that, Keith. You know he does a great job with Rusty's us. great. And he, he really brings a lot of things to the to the light of what's happening with the market. We talk about the politics also. And Jim Whitehead will also be here. He'll talk about things clients expect from us, their advisor. And, Keith, you had said the advisor, you know, getting advice, knowing how to get advice, making sure. And, and what Shannon was talking about earlier, the independence of having the ability. And, guys, that is so important. And so many times people get an experience, and I'm not knocking anybody that has a product they need to sell. That is not what I'm talking about. But the person needs to be sensitive to that when they're working with someone. 
Absolutely. And, you know, we talked about one of the benefits of advice. Well, one of the mistakes that we see investors make, and, and we briefly reference this, is getting caught up in the emotion of the, of the market. You know, if you uh, lived through 2008 and you had a retirement account, or if, especially if you were in retirement, uh, at one point on March 9th of 2009, and I remember it clearly because we were in your office that day, you know, the S&P 500 from peak to trough was down about 57 percent. Oh, I know. Uh, but the mistake right then was to say, I just can't take the pain anymore and I have to get out. Uh, and if you make an emotional decision, again, you forget your plan, you forget the, the long-term uh, trends in the market, you get out of the market, it can absolutely cost you money and it can ruin your retirement. One of the studies we look at is a Dalbar study. This study comes out every year and it looks at the returns gotten by an average investor uh, and then returns in some of the other asset categories. And what we saw over the last 20 years, if you had just put money into the S&P 500, now you cannot invest directly in an index. We would never recommend to be uh, undiversified just in the S&P. But if you did, you got about a 10% average annual return. The average investor got a little less than three. Uh, so it, it can make a huge difference uh, in your, uh, again, in your retirement. And so what you're talking about, again, discipline. Discipline. Getting advice when you need the advice, getting direction, and, and making sure that you're you're paying attention to Absolutely. what it is. I mean, Shannon, you talk about that, paying attention to that advice when you're, when you're listening to someone as you put, you're giving them advice and you're seeing people you know, actually execute that. Absolutely. There's so much that goes into the decisions that are going to be made. You have to listen to the advice that you're getting because all that we can do is give you recommendations based on what you tell us. Right. And so you have to give us the information, then you have to listen to what we bring back to you because there's so many different decisions to be made. You have to be engaged. It's in a those swirling decisions. amount. I can just imagine if I was drawing a cartoon and if I could picture that, just all kinds of stuff swirling in my head up there trying to make a decision. Keith, what's another financial decision that if you make it, you regret it forever? Well, another one that you can make is borrowing from your 401k. Uh, sometimes this seems like a really attractive option. Uh, we understand that. You know, it's your money. Uh, it can be tempting. But again, it's one of those things that can absolutely kill you in retirement. You're taking away from your retirement. And you have to, you know, if you repay that money, uh, it could just have a big hit. You may miss some of your company's match. Uh, it could be a really a, a big hit in your retirement you for know, your income. You know, the thing about it is, too, people forget that you are paying yourself interest. You and Everybody are. says that. And if the market's down, down, it doesn't seem to be so painful, but if the market takes off during that period of time when you're trying to pay it back and the money's not there, you will regret that because you missed that opportunity. And I'm using the word regret forever. Right. And I know that word forever sounds like, oh, how big and how long is that? I don't want anybody to get that point of saying, well, you, can you correct a mistake? Sure you can. But you have to be sensitive to the decisions that you're making. And I want to put that in a sentence. If you vote for a New York real estate mogul, you may regret that forever. Uh, but, but in this context, there's always a second chance. Oh, uh, you have any doubt about how these guys, that's perfect. That's perfect. Last decision that we might think that it would be important. Well, the last one that we think that uh, could be important is paying the minimum on credit cards. You know, we talk an awful lot about debt. We looked at a study that showed the average credit card debt for someone uh, or the average household was around $15,000. It's a pretty big bite. And if you just pay the minimum, and again, let's think about a hypothetical. Let's say you have $5,000 on a fixed credit card that's uh, charging 12.5%. If you pay just the minimum to pay off that $5,000 balance, it's going to take you 10 years. And you're going to pay $1,700 dollars in interest, it can be very, very detrimental to your long-term financial planning to carry that kind of debt. So you have to be cognizant of that when you're thinking about your plan. It goes back to what we always talk about, Jim, being disciplined. 
Well, you know, the discipline is a big word. Borrowing from your 401k, claiming Social Security too early, putting off savings for retirement, paying the minimum on credit cards, which is the last one he just covered. And he called but two more, avoiding the stock market and passing on, you know, up professional advice, just not getting good advice. Right. Those are six or seven or ever how many they were. You did a great job with that because I think so many people need to know that. We learned about Medicare, Medicaid. We learned, I mean, Medicare at Part A, Part B. Guys, I just want to tell you, you always bring a lot of information to the program. And thank you, Shannon, for being with us today. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Thank you, Keith. Absolutely. It was fun. You guys always do a good job. And, of course, we're pleased to be here with you on Friday mornings, helping, hoping you get a little bit of an idea about money and some things like that. Next week, Rusty Leonard, founder and CEO of Surechip Partners Investment Council. He'll be with us. Jim Whitehead will be with us. I want to thank Shannon Dyson and Keith Quinn again, producer and board operators, Art Frederick, guest and content coordinator. Is Francis Fortner, and our production assistant is Eleanor Moskovitz. Mid South History Moments, read by Rebecca Brazier and written by Drew Johnson. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're here every Friday with Talk Money, helping you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.